0: You know what the worst part of this job is, Adam?
1: I don't know what. Like,
0: right, so don't get me wrong. Doing this podcast with you, it's it's not a job. It's a fun thing that we get to do. I right, I love getting to hang out with you, Adam. But you know what makes just what the worst part of this job is? <laughs> is when you watch a movie that is bad and. Not, like, funny bad, but just, like, boring <laughs> crap bad. But that's not that's not the worst part. That's whatever. Um, the worst part is re-watching it. <laughs> like, for anyone at home, it's actually kind of, if you want to know what hell is like, I want you to watch a bad, boring movie. Maybe Star Wars Episode Nine. That's a, that's a pretty good, boring, bad movie. And just watch it all the way through. And then, in a couple weeks later, watch it again. And you will know. <laughs> you will know. It doesn't sound that bad. That's the thing. Like I've listened to other podcasts, people doing stuff like this. It doesn't sound that bad but actually doing it i mean come on back me up here adam i i can't be crazy <laughs> <laughs> i
1: i like bad movies do you like rewatching them shortly after you just watched them i have a history with evil bong apparently and the ginger dead man mm-hmm but I mean, yeah, this is Agony. This is actually, like, bad, bad. I want to keep spoilers
0: down to a minimum. I liked Evil Bong more than this one. (laughs) Which, as you said, is a baseline. It's a very sad baseline for this show, where Evil Bong is, like, (laughs) my 5 out of 10 for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where there's the ones better than it and the ones worse than it. <laughs> and this is a worse one.
1: <laughs> this is a worse one. And should we just get right on into it then? Uh yeah, so have you watched the original Conjuring? I have seen the original Conjuring. I remember it being a pretty darn good movie. It uh, is. It had the intro of Annabelle and like it felt like a solid haunted house movie.
0: Yeah, it is really good because it was its own self-contained story that it wasn't trying to set up a franchise, but it had so many different things going on where it's like, oh, there's that spooky thing and this spooky thing and different things, like, they may be connected, maybe not. There's just this it made the world that it was in feel alive. Just how much stuff there's in it. was like Star Wars Episode Four, going back to Star Wars. Like, the world feels so large. And it's really not until you get to, like, Annabelle creation that you realize that you've been in Tatooine for the 12th time again. <laughs> but before that point, it seems wide open and great. And the first conjuring was really good. and I will say, my wife and I, we watched through the conjuring verse this year. and it is in general a really solid like franchise. like there's really only a couple of stinkers, but in general it's each movie like I rated them just for fun. They were like seven, eight out of ten average. It's really good, and then the nun came out. <laughs>
1: you took that personally. That's mean.
0: Sorry, sorry. Actually, Annabelle came out, and that really lowered
1: it. But not like, not like the nun. I mean, I I kind of liked the nun though. It was a fun. It was a fun movie. Fun. The nun was fun. There were elements that I enjoyed,
0: yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I, I, again, keeping spoilers light, this isn't a 1 out of 10 film. This is not the worst movie that we have seen here. There are things about this movie that I did enjoy. I'll get into it later, but it's not that this movie does anything egregiously bad. It just doesn't do anything well. But here's the thing. With the whole premise for the nine. By the way, who's the director for this movie again? Uh, d- d- Corin Hardy, you know Corin Hardy. Uh, have they done anything else that we might know of? Oh no, I feel like you know the answer to that, and I don't. And <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm on his Wikipedia page now because I <laughs> just asked, and um, he did the Hallow apparently uh it's a movie i've not seen it's apparently an irish horror film
1: i've read about that one i've heard it's good
0: is it it seems neat
1: i like the poster that's really cool this feels like another case of i love you man where the director has made only a few other things and it's like huh Mm -hmm. this was your well in this case
0: he really had only made one other thing wait no technically he also did in the Back, which is, and Butterfly, which are short films. So he did a couple short films, and then one movie, and now he did The Nun. Wow. Which is also the last movie that he's directed since it, but to be fair, there's a whole, you know, pandemic that happened that definitely <laughs> slowed down a lot of things. Well,
1: scroll down, then he did Gangs of London during the pandemic. Uh, I. That's true, that's a show. I was just looking at feature films. Yeah, yeah. Eight
0: episodes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he was busy during the pandemic, just not making movies. Um, But anyway, so what would you expect from a movie titled The Nun?
1: There's going to be an evil nun lady, and she's Mm going to come to us, and uh, she's going to have a ruler. She'll smack our fingers really, really hard Mm -hmm. uh, because we misbehaved, and it's going to be a story about... The karmic reaction of, if you do something wrong, can you get away with it? The Nun. <laughs> That's my expectation. Um,
0: so, honestly, what I would expect from a movie called The Nun would be probably, knowing that it is a horror movie in The Conjuring-verse, I
1: guess I should have given you that prompt as well. Sorry. But I'm not taking it back. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to go with either way. I've seen The Nun, so I know my answer's wrong, but that was my vibe going into it originally, was like, how are they going to make this not stupid?
0: Yeah, I would have expected some sort of origin story, like maybe like really going into this Nun character, because we have seen this character in The Conjuring 2, which is a okay sequel to The Conjuring 1. I really like the setting for The Conjuring 2 being this uh, town. I, I think it's just outside London. It, it's in Britain. And that's such, to me, a unique setting for a horror movie. That just don't see that often. And so I loved the setting of it. But the actual scares in it were pretty eh. But one of the central antagonists, in fact, the central antagonist, as you find out later in the movie, is this nun. And it's a very important character in that movie, and in it. So at this point, we're going to have to do spoilers. So just real quick, spoilers for... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Yeah, um so before that uh do you want to give your rating for the conjuring one conjuring two since now we're spoiling them we're not going to review them
1: i mean they're very good at well at least the conjuring one is very good at doing a haunted house in the way that's like i've seen it before but this is very polished and really Mm well-rounded and so that made it good but also it's just using an old idea very well Mm -hmm. and i guess with horror i like to be Pushed into an area I'm not familiar with where Mm -hmm. the monster doesn't have rules I understand already, just because that creates scarier things for me when you don't fully understand what you're dealing with. Right. But I'd say, uh, from my recollection, the Conjuring one, at least, was uh, somewhere between a 7.5 and an 8. Like, uh, probably leaning towards the 8. Uh, I remember enjoying it. It was creepy, scary, but it didn't really leave me. with too many more questions. Right. I enjoyed, like, the the cabinet of various arcane artifacts. Yep. I thought that was, like, the most interesting part of the universe, which opened it up to me. But right. otherwise, it's like, that's just a classic haunted house story. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't remember enough of Conjuring 2 to say, and I may have watched it. I might not have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to say I did, and I'd probably give it around a seven. Gotcha. Fair enough, but it didn't really interest me and the jump scares got a little tedious probably.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's,
1: uh, from what I recall
0: the general consensus, Conjuring 2 is about as good as Conjuring 1, but just a little less good. Uh, to me, the Conjuring, the first one it's a 9 out of 10. Like, yeah, it's not entirely original, but it does the classics really well and it is just really solid at what it's trying to do and for that yeah nine out of ten it's great i can very easily recommend it conjuring two however i'd say there's a reason why you don't remember most of it it's because most of it is it's pretty dull (laughs) there's a lot of it that's very similar to the first movie and the cracks in the storytelling are already starting here. Oh no. And so for that, for me, it's a five out of ten. It is the most average horror movie. Oh no. You gave it the evil bong rating? <laughs> uh oh. well that's that's the thing though. So um conjuring verse. I've got the number here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There are eight movies in the Conjuring Verse, right? Right. And to me Conjuring two, five out of ten? It's the third worst one. There's only two worse than that with a 5 out of 10. So that's pretty good. The fact that this 5 out of 10, there's still 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 movies better than it. <laughs> but. Wow. So there's just real quick ratings for those two because I'm at least not going to review them after this. This is the review. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is our Conjuring-verse disguised as a The Nun <laughs> <laughs> podcast episode.
0: Uh, I won't spoil my ratings for any others in case we decide to come back to this universe. But, okay, okay. But with that out of the way, Conjuring 2, we already see The Nun. We know like, the Nun's name. We know the Nun's weakness. <laughs> that namely being, if you know its name. And we see it defeated. Like, as defeated as anything can be in this universe where there are no stakes. And... <laughs> <laughs> where I'm there a... are <laughs> no stakes. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay, okay. So okay. <laughs> I
0: just rewatched The Nun. I'm sorry. So I'm a little more jaded at the moment. But... <laughs> yeah, and you read my notes. I know. Okay. <laughs> But, yeah, so as defeated as a monster can be in this universe, except, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm spoilers light, it is defeated. And so, if you're going to do a Nun movie, it pretty much has to be a prequel. And by having this movie be the earliest in the Controverse, it's, I've got it up here, 1952. And it takes place in Romania, in this old castle that has turned into this monastery. That sounds so cool! I agree. And, gosh darn it, the castle is cool! (laughs) Like, the setting. I love the setting. It is
1: visually fantastic.
0: Yes, it's... I cannot, at the top of my head, think of... A movie with this like exact same setting in the you know this sort of budget like well known kind of movie like, I'm sure there's some out there there may even be like like I'm sure there's even a spooky one or several spooky movies being the earliest in the franchise being in this new setting it's like okay so that is a really good start to a premise yeah but what are you going to do with this character, the nun, that, again, we already know almost everything about? You're going to have to, you know, come up with something new. Maybe, you know, like do something different with the character. Something that's <laughs> not just literally the contrary to again. I, uh, I'm sensing some anger here. Yeah. Um... This is maybe the movie that I've taken the most
1: personally for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly a little scared. And it's worth noting, um, this is, this movie isn't like beloved. The, the IMDB, I believe, gave it a 5.3 out of 10. So they kind of just said, yeah, it's evil bongish." So you really didn't like Conjuring 2 and that bled over. I don't think I've seen Conjuring 2 because otherwise I feel like I would have taken it just as personally as you would have had.
0: I think that I may be blowing it a little out of proportions, but gosh darn it, this is our podcast. This is the way it made me feel. So should, yeah, we, yeah. should we go over the plot of this movie just real briefly?
1: Yeah, just really briefly. Um, our, our sponsors are breathing down our backs here, um, s- s- metaphorically and literally. Yeah. Yeah, this is our. This intro has already gone on way too long. No, let's let's do it. Okay, brief overview of the story by somebody who did not like it at all. Go, Brad. <laughs> okay, so
0: again, this is going to be super abridged. It opens with a nun who is fleeing uh, the demon in the monastery. She hangs herself. A French-Canadian man named Frenchie sees the body, <laughs> reports it. Uh, the Vatican sends a Father Burke and Sister Irene as the main characters. They, they have who, names? Yes, and Sister Irene is a novitiate. Novitiate? Novitiate? Not, not, it's not a full-on nun yet. Apprentice nun. Yeah, thank you. And so they go to the Abbey uh, with Frenchie's help. And there they come across lots of spooky things. Frenchie leaves. More spooky things happen. Frenchie comes back. They encounter the nun. They kill the nun-ish with the blood of Jesus Christ. And (laughs) Frenchie is marked by the nun just before she dies. And we see that he still is marked at the end of the movie the end. <laughs>
1: like.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like that's, I said. That's super movie. abridged. And we will be getting into different like, aspects of the
1: plot. But that is generally what happens. Okay, well, we both are trying to keep this short for you guys so uh, oh and it's not 100% our sponsors but it's like 90% them but 10% us so we each picked scenes that we really wanted to talk about uh for just a brief minute or two mm-hmm. uh would you like to go first or would you like to hear my favorite scene um so i think
0: yours is the opening scene right so it i think it make more sense for you to start
1: Okay, I actually really love the idea of chopping off the opening scene and making that a short film. I feel like that's a really enjoyable experience. With, uh, with these nuns, knowing something bad is happening, they've already decided to go down to a dark place. And I just feel like it works so well. And it was spoiled in the trailer, I'm pretty sure. Because it's, it's a fun, dark setting. Everything's creepy and you have these nuns that are like, oh, we have to do this last resort. And then it ends with the nun being hung. And I thought that would be fantastic to just have its own thing and then it's ruined by the rest of the movie because now you know exactly what's going on and really like there's not much of a point with a a spooky mystery when you already know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree because everything that happens in this intro, like... It is presented as a mystery later on. And the characters finding out what happened is... Half of the plot of this movie is finding out about this uh, nun who committed suicide here. And they find the spooky things that caused her to do that. And that is totally ruined by the fact that they have this opening... That just shows 99% of it. Exactly. And it is really good like opening. I agree with you. It's really strong. But the movie, I think, would have been better without it. If it just opened up with Frenchie coming to the monastery and seeing a hung nun. I 100% agree with that. So... And early on, this movie it sets up as the Vatican as having some ulterior motive for sending this apprentice nun. And when they send this
1: Father Burke character, who you're you're trying to find like his level in the church?
0: Yes. This wiki sucks. It has his species human. <laughs> oh no. Oh, really? <laughs> throughout oh, the is... conjuring universe history, none two <laughs> is literally two sentences. <laughs> Nothing in the none one. Empty space, empty history, and just a single quote.
1: Wow. <laughs> oh, the conjuring universe wiki sucks. Well, I mean, what are they going off of? Just two lines? <laughs> well, he,
0: he was in the first movie. They could include literally anything about him in the first movie. <laughs> Dang it, this is actually really important. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. Alright, whatever. does It doesn't matter that much as long as I'm able to get the point across. Okay. So... This Father Burke character, he is set up as a chaplain during the war. And afterwards he calls himself a miracle worker. Essentially his job is to be just a full-time exorcist for the church. And so they get him to team up with this apprentice nun... And they act like they've got this grand plan for her. Why they chose her specifically. But that's never brought up again in this movie or The Nun 2. And she's the main <laughs> character in The Nun 2. <laughs> that is like a very important plot point. The fact that <laughs> this nun, apprentice, who we don't know yet, but she has visions from God, just like Lorraine from the Conjuring movies. So she's got Lorraine's visions power. And. Oh. So she's clearly important. But. At this time, she's not a nun yet. She's an apprentice nun. And they have her go on this important mission. And they say, oh, is we have reasons. And they keep it a mystery. But nothing. Wow. It's just never brought up again. And the nun too, just to keep spoilers really light for that one. They call her in as a specialist for this sort of situation. Which, okay, yeah, sure, granted. But (laughs) she was most certainly not a specialist in the beginning of this movie. No, she's very green at the beginning of this Mm -hmm. movie. Yeah, it's so weird. But it does lead into the second scene in this movie that I really want to talk about before we get to a commercial break. And it's about, again, this Father Burke character. So, in the Chondryverse movies, it is, you know, the whole Catholic horror trope of, oh no, this character is possessed. We need to tell the church for them to send an exorcist. Yeah, the, Someone from the church goes, they say, oh, we need to investigate to see if they're really possessed. And they spend a long time with that. And then it's like, yes, this character is possessed. But it's really illegal. I can't just do an exorcism. We need to call someone. We need to call the church. And eventually they will send an exorcist here to assess the situation further. And this has never happened in over a thousand years. And so it's this long, lengthy trope that happens every single time. And it happens multiple times in this universe. Yeah. They send him. Who doesn't need all that? He can just at any moment just go, I see something that needs exercised, I'm going to exercise it. There's no tape, anything. He is in the Conjuring Verse, the most powerful character, period. Huh, like as far as like the power Christian system goes in this movie, he is. The, he is the Goku of the Conjuring verse.
1: Is it numerical the uh, power levels? <laughs> I'm not doing that. Could, I'm not doing it. Could this father uh, beat Krillin? <laughs> um, if Krillin was
0: possessed, then he could exercise Krillin. Well, if they were to actually fight, no, uh, there's not a single character in all of Dragon Ball Z that wouldn't beat up literally everyone in the Kondryverse combined. Okay. <laughs> Even their weakest character, uh, like Hercule Satan, is still
1: crazy strong. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't don't come at Krillin. <laughs> he he's an Olympic athlete, but so he is again the most
0: powerful character in the verse. And so, when they are going through this monastery, there's been spooky things. Like, they saw like a statue of Jesus on the cross decapitated.
1: Yeah, he doesn't like doing <laughs> the, that.
0: That's typically a bad sign of what's going on, I would say. <laughs> uh, and this character, who is the most powerful... One, again, he starts seeing things, this uh, little boy going around, his name is Daniel, a boy he exercised years and years ago, who he knows is dead, (laughs) but this boy, years and years later, looks exactly the same. And so anyone with literally two working brain cells would go, oh, hey, this is probably something spooky (laughs) and not literally the boy that I exercised to death. (laughs) And so he follows this character, this ghost boy, who's being really weird and spooky like like, literally, like, Scooby-Doo spooky. It's like, oh, father, why don't you help me? Like, off in the distance, and then he says, Daniel! And then he runs into another room and just keeps going, all the way into a graveyard, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's,
1: yeah. he just,
0: and then he sees this sort of figure that, like, spits out a snake at him, or whatever, he goes, ah! And then falls into a grave, Uh, And is then immediately (laughs) covered. And if it wasn't for literally deus ex machina, he would have been instantly taken out. In fact, he essentially was. By a jump scare that didn't really make too much sense. None at all. It was (laughs) so stupid. It was the... He would have... (laughs) He did get taken out like a total <laughs> punk worse than literally anyone else in the entire franchise literally everyone
1: else has survived worse he's at the end of his career <laughs> finny year time old man <laughs> getting jump scared it's the graveyard that one actually makes me laugh every time i see it i know it's stupid but i i just see it and i'm like That jump scare with the rubber mask and everything, at least it looks like a rubber mask to me, just kills me. I'm like, yeah, we're not taking things seriously.
0: Well, if
1: the movie was more like that,
0: then this would be in the enjoyably bad. But we'll get into why it's not enjoyably bad after our commercial break.
1: Yeah, our sponsors have something for us to sell, and it's probably going to be stupid and pointless. And god, I hope I'm not just going to make a fool of myself again. See you guys shortly.
0: So Adam, I know usually for our commercial bits, we do some sort of funny <laughs> skit. Well, I say funny. That's very subjective. <laughs> I'm always giggling. But I've got actually a kind of serious question for you, and that is, we have discussed in the past what is a 10 out of 10 movie, but we also said that we're doing a sort of 10 to negative 10 scale, and we haven't done any movies yet that really fit in that negative scale yet. So. I just thought it'd be nice short discussion that we could have about what is a 1 out of 10
1: movie to you and me. But I, I want to know from you first. A 1 out of 10 movie? Um, mm-hmm. On a 1 to 10 scale, a 1 out of 10 movie for me is a movie that doesn't even have a plot, really. When it's just something that is a series of scenes, but the scenes don't really connect or it's so artistic that there's just nothing there and there's nothing worth like going into either. I always look at uh, Begotten as my one out of 10, a movie that truly has no purpose, is just disgusting artistic garbage. And it's not worth watching. It's not, not even worth watching to say you watched it. So you're not a fan of Napoleon Dynamite, then? I love Napoleon Dynamite. There's a story there. There might be a mild or like meek story, but there's still a story <laughs> there. There's characters that enter into relationships. There's dynamic mm-hmm. situations. People make friends. People get their tater tots ruined in Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, it, but it doesn't really have a
0: traditional story structure that most movies do where there's like it goes from a to b to c it's more just people say it is like just a collection of scenes and the movie just kind of ends what yeah where who says this I, I have read that online
1: oh okay i am
0: <sighs> that makes me angry but it's a little offside of what we're trying to talk about here okay okay well is a one for you from a negative 10 to a 10
1: um i mean when we bring in the negative scale the negative scale was what is so bad it starts to kind of be good yes and like at the higher end of the negative scale a negative 10 is like it is so atrociously bad that i absolutely adore it it is a cult classic people openly say it breaks rules but it does so in a stupidly fun way correct
0: yeah, the classic example is The Room by Tommy Wiseau, where it is such a colossal failure in literally every single regard as movies can be made that it comes back around to being a
1: lot of fun to watch. And I can attest it is. I think I get it then. Um, like, the positive scale is movies you watch because you actually want to enjoy them, like mm-hmm. a traditional like marvel movie you go in wanting a solid like fun experience and with a negative movie right. on the negative scale you go in likely wanting that um tropey just garbage nonsense
0: mm-hmm. yeah like it's going to be like a lot of stuff on like the sci-fi channel for instance oh heck yeah love the sci-fi channel like Giant Anaconda versus
1: Killigator, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. You go in knowing that it's going to be cliched and jokey and fun. Right. A one out of 10, or a negative one, then, on that negative one to negative 10, would be something that is so bad, but it's boring. Um, Right. And I feel like I've seen a movie like this before that my wife and I just started fast-forwarding through because it was like a bunch of people go to a cabin in the woods. Good premise, good premise, mm-hmm. at least for us. And, and then they're at the cabin, and they're all kind of hanging out. Nobody's really that interesting, and nothing's really happening. It sounds like you're doing a great job describing mazes and monsters. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like Not in the sequence of events, <laughs> but it just being so boring (laughs)
1: yeah yeah
0: nothing happens of any any real quality yeah okay so now how about you yeah to me a movie that hits that one out of ten or that negative one out of ten is one that is colossally boring like like you said um, which is why I gave Maces and Monsters a 2. It is just barely above the minimum threshold of what like a 1 would be. It, it is just one of the most boring movies I've ever seen, but there is still some things that go, okay, I, I like that. I, I see where you're going with, with that. That's good. And why... <laughs> I've given other movies, like I Love You Man, a four.
1: What's the name of the monster in Mazes and Monsters? Oh. Right? Like, I was was like, Gorlock, and then I'm like, wait, mm, no, it's not a Gorlock. The one monster.
0: Yeah, I was thinking like a Greylock or something like that, but it's not that, because that actually sounds like something. While a negative one to me is a movie that does everything terrible and bad but it's starting to get to where it's so bad that it's good but it's still just, it's not really tapped into that so terribleness aspect of it. So it's still just super boring. So in that regard, like a negative 4 is going to be better experience to watch than say a 3.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. All
0: right, it's really a scale to me of enjoyment. While the positive is where I am laughing with the movie, I am getting scared where the movie wants me to be scared, engaging with it the way it wants to be engaged with. While a negative as you get closer to that negative 10 i am laughing at it i am <laughs> not engaging with i am not engaging with it in any way whatsoever that it desires to be engaged with but like a negative 9 is such a blast that it's even more fun to watch than like a 7 or an 8
1: like an actually good movie a very interesting perspective I, I hadn't really considered it that way like a level of engagement in what the movie wants you to engage with because i i find myself like with a evil bong series that you can find uh it's like a little mini side thing on the same channel <laughs> mm-hmm. like i'm not engaging the way the evil bong series wants me to technically engage <laughs> with my weird theories and my nonsense about it. So I feel like I tend to enjoy movies more that are on that negative scale. And like
0: Evil Bong is so far the only movie that we've done here that I was seriously considering giving a negative score to. (laughs) But I still decided to go for a positive 5 out of 10 because the movie feels very aware Of what it is doing. Yeah it is. Really bad in certain ways. But it knows it's being really bad. In those certain ways. And it wants me to laugh. At how bad it is in those ways. And so I'm still (laughs) engaging with it. With the way that it intends. But from what I've heard. About the later movies. In the series. (laughs) yeah, If we did them. I don't see how some would not. Receive negative reviews. (laughs) I just. I don't see that happening. But, like, they all have about the same rating on IMDb. Well, IMDb doesn't have, (laughs) like, a negative (laughs) 10 to a 10.
1: (laughs) True, true.
0: But, yeah, so, when we come back, uh, we're going to be laughing and having a good time, pretending that we sold something really funny to you guys. But... You just ignore Future Us. We all know what we're talking about. Are
1: we not going to talk about the candy stuff that we have on the table? They gave us a bunch of, like, candy based on The Conjuring versus, like, actually... Brand- no, I
0: threw that all out. It's all in the trash. <laughs> like, I saw some of that, and I was like, that's, that's total trash. No, there's that's not even comedic value there. I just threw it away. But,
1: but the kiss from a valid, uh like, the, the sour spray candy? I want to try that sour spray candy. You threw that in the trash?
0: It's expired.
1: Oh, okay,
0: but yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed the slightly different commercial break, and we'll see you in just a moment.
1: <laughs> we are not going to do that. I, I don't oh, want to no. buy any of no. that. Why would... No, not at all. Why would they have us sell that? That doesn't make any... anyways. Um, so, <laughs> we finished that up. Thank Can God. we talk more about um some of the other characters in this this movie. Oh, if we must. I mean, I know we just talked about um the the like senior character in the group, the uh the priest that had the highest power level, as you said, higher than Krillin. Right. You had some strong words before our break about other characters that you wanted to say. Um maybe we can start with the uh that, that lead evil nun lady, the, the matron draped in Black nunnery.
0: Yeah. So one thing I really gotta ask is, what does a nun want? What's a nun's objective? Uh, to, um, uh,
1: to be pure. How does it do that? I, 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 I really don't know. To be honest.
0: Is it by? just being kind of spooky but not doing anything actually effective
1: well i think it's like celibacy and abstinence and and like the, the things of denying your own pleasures So that you can better serve humanity. No, right? No, no. I'm not talking about what nuns want.
0: I'm talking about the central antagonist. Oh, oh, nun.
1: You want to know what nun wants, (laughs) not what nuns want. Okay, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know what a nun. Oh well, this is just a classic demon. (laughs) Um, like you know, wants to possess a body. You know, wreak havoc, do all sorts of nonsense like that. Um, yeah.
0: Okay, so wants to possess a body. Okay. So we
1: see it do that.
0: I'm not sure it's ever shown how it does that. It it just does.
1: It just does. Then that, That's the, yeah. the lazy way to have a demon character. And I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. that.
0: Uh... Yeah, it, it just sometimes possesses people. And it is set At up. At will. Yeah. It, it just does it. And that's set up as the reason why the nun in the beginning of the movie killed herself is set up is the, near the very end of the movie, they realize that she didn't just commit suicide; she was the last nun left. And if she kept, if she survived, if she left, then the demon would then possess her and then be free to do whatever. And so she sacrificed herself by hanging herself. Yes. And so is a it was a selfless act, not a selfish act of suicide, which is how they would see it. Oh,
1: yeah, that was an absolutely beautiful martyr moment. And that's yeah. why I said earlier, like, the opening functions as its own short film. Yeah. It's very, very powerful, very well done, mm-hmm. creepy.
0: Yeah,
1: and so the nun is able... To...
0: Okay, so I'm going to have to actually look up this the actual nun's name again, so I'd stop saying the nun because we're talking about a movie with a bunch of nuns. Uh, do, you, do you want to... The, the Valak?
1: Real, yeah, Valak. I was going to say Valak. but I I didn't think you wanted to share the spoiler. Sister, Sister well, Valak? Exactly.
0: Yeah, one of the things that we know going into this movie from Conjuring 2 is the, mon- the demon's name is Valak, which, if you say it out loud, really weakens it.
1: Oh, th- <laughs> we're messing with that demon.
0: Yeah, that doesn't happen in this movie. Father Burke, again, the Goku of the Conjuring Verse. He realizes the name of this demon, Valak, just kind of offhandedly, which, to be fair, is better than literally God telling you in a vision. But, I, <laughs> like, narratively. I don't like so saying like, Him just offhandedly learning it is better, I guess, but still sucks. But then he doesn't use it. (laughs) Uh, he, He never uses his brain in this movie. But Valak is able to possess people by... I guess just proximity of them being near the gateway for Valak. And so what it does doesn't make sense for what it wants so it's if it wants people to stay nearby so it can possess them then why is it (laughs) okay so i get these why it is so creepy all the times because it's a demon it can't help itself okay i get it yeah (laughs) but but there's this lengthy scene of Frenchie fleeing through the the exit of the monastery where there's a whole bunch of crosses uh, to try to keep the evil inside and it's there and it very much looks like it's trying to kill him. Why would it do that? Why?
1: He's an atheist.
0: but he's not he's most certainly not in this movie that's that's right Uh,
1: sorry i forgot there's not a single atheist in this movie yeah everybody believes uh there's a scene where he even like um the the father is going to go forward and they're doing like the battle plan we got the blood of christ we got it in its glass vial and he's like maybe we should pray and he's like no sometimes there's time for prayer sometimes time for action and now uh yeah Time for action.
0: Yeah, he absolutely says that, even though it does, yeah, and the Bible does say to pray none unceasingly, but you know, <laughs> whatever. It, it's action
1: movie line. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he, even him, he evidences that in a time of danger, he's like, I will pray for my safety.
0: Mm-hmm. Through the movie as well, the nun, sorry, Valak, yeah. is absolutely trying to. It
1: definitely seems like
0: either kill them or at least scare them away.
1: Yeah, V-Train is not a great, like, demon. Yeah. Um, It's a demon in training.
0: (laughs) At one point, Valak is pretending to be the, the... I forgot the word. And that kills me. Is it just the It's
1: Yeah, it's the head of the convent that they're at. Um, And I actually kind of like that. Like the visuals. This movie does well at visuals. And whenever I say I like things, that's what I'm saying. Is I like the the mood vibe cinematography. Because that's what the Conjuring universe really has. Yeah, absolutely. In high quality. For sure. But um, yeah, the, the head of the convent.
0: And so it's pretending to be her and being really creepy. Because it's a demon, it can't help itself, sure, whatever. But, then they just go along with everything, which, okay, sure, at first. But then, as they're walking around, they see all these spooky things. Like, I already brought up the cross with beheaded Jesus, which, again,
1: never a good sign. That's a horrible prank to to throw in a convent.
0: Yeah, one that, you know I don't think they laugh
1: at Yeah, no, that's like the prank where they're like Okay, you're kicked out Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah
1: um, This is 1950 what, too?
0: That is something that Dante Alighieri Would have put you into the deepest circle of hell in
1: Yeah, you don't disrespect doing. Not even on a podcast
0: Yeah Yeah <laughs> And so they see all these spooky things and then they just keep going along with everything. And so much of this movie is just plotless as they're just, it does the thing that a lot of horror movies do, I've learned, where it's just spooky scene, it ends. And then the very next scene is setting up for another spooky scene. And spooky scene happens, cuts, another spooky scene. It's just back to back to back. um, Where it's just, there's nothing going on other than people are, a character is uncomfortable and alone because they split up because they're idiots. And then they see something spooky. They investigate, and spooky stuff happens to them, they flee. Next scene, exact same thing. And
1: it's just infuriating. It's infuriating to watch. I mean, that, that is a good point to have about it. There are three pillars of horror that I always mention with my, my D&D people. Is you need to have, for it to be horror, there needs to be an element of the supernatural that you can't explain or anything that you can't explain fully Uh, there needs to be an element of isolation where characters are alone or they're otherwise separated from society you need to have an element of uncertainty and this movie kind of violates those last two aggressively in the way of like um the lazy way to do isolation is to say Oh yeah, you just wander off from the group for no reason, and then this thing is staring at you. But they already have a great setting for that. You're isolated, even if you're with people. You're out in this weird monastery castle in the wilderness, and and as we've already said, very beautiful, well well cinematographed setting. That's not a word. It's well, just, it just it looks great. It's like I don't know. Um, the uncertainty element. Is ruined if you include that introduction where you know exactly what's going on and i believe like the movie would be so much better if you cut off that beautiful intro and just had it be like so uh yeah weird situation the uh sketchy upper clergy are saying that uh an elite monster hunter needs to team up with a amateur or not an amateur an, an apprentice caster and uh, they got to go to this weird thing that's going on. There's a disturbance. We don't know what's going on. It's probably just training. Go, go ahead. Because I feel like that introduction would then lead into a story where once you arrive, oh, yeah, there's this guy Frenchie. He says things are freaking him out. He goes there regularly. He doesn't like the place, thinks it's haunted. You get an opportunity to, to show that things are not quite right in the town before that entire setting i think they do that a little bit but it's sort of softened by that you know it's going on already
0: mm-hmm.
1: if it's weird for no given reason even though you go into this movie knowing that something weird is going on it adds more to that mystery so i feel like the movie would just be fantastic if you cut off that intro went in there and it's like uh-oh one of my favorite scares in the movie and actually i'll just say this is my favorite scare in the movie like uh the the lady hung herself in the intro, we already know that, so it doesn't really matter. And Frenchie brings the group, his party, into that freezer room to to like show them the body. It, it's like uh, seated at the freezer, and they're like, "Oh, okay, that's that's weird that you put it like that." And he's like, "I didn't put it like that, okay?" And, and, and paraphrasing, and he mentions he left it laying down, and to me. With the mist in the air and everything. It's such a creepy scene.
0: That was really good. I
1: absolutely felt like chills go down my body. Like uh oh. Uh oh. And then the rest of the movie made me go oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And to me like yes. It would be a better movie. With the beginning cut off. Despite how great the beginning is but it still wouldn't be a great movie because this movie throughout
1: is just so boring. Oh yeah, I don't remember after that scene. Uh, after the freezer scene, it's sort of like, okay, yeah, the, the matron... The, the, yeah, because like,
0: as I was saying, it is just... It's plotless. It is just them wandering around separate from each other for literally no reason just for spooky things to happen to them over and over, like Scooby-Doo.
1: Okay, and I, I have to add, before anybody just jumps onto this old episode after we've been doing this for years, like, okay, yeah, they do share plot lines with each other. I get that. I do get that. They share details with each other, but it's not interesting. And when the details aren't interesting, you as a visual detective watching this mystery movie, you're not interested in solving it, and so you don't log it. And that's not... The, the viewer's fault. That's the, the movie's fault. Uh, I'm taking this personally now. And I started out liking this movie. Yeah. What the heck?
0: <laughs> and there's really just one last thing that I really want to get off my chest about this movie. Okay. And before we get into the ratings and anything else that you want to say before yeah, that point. Yeah. But I've got to say that making a character have... Visions of a divine nature has got to be the most boring way of making a character important to a story. Yes, because it's totally—it's at least in this case—totally unearned. She just gets them. She's always had visions for whatever reason, and we find out in the nun 2, That's why she became a nun.
1: Um, no, we find out in the first and... one. They say in the intro um, that. She always had these visions as a child. Uh, she mentions this as a boring dinner. It's um, a boring dinner after they've already arrived and they're like... Oh, you're right. You're
0: right. No, I'm thinking of a different character in The Nuns. Oh, okay,
1: sorry. Yeah, and I lost interest in my own story about them eating dinner.
0: <laughs> I understand. God, this movie. But it's just... It could be literally any character and with any personality... It doesn't matter if you just say, oh, they have visions of a divine nature. And so they are given these cryptic messages that come up later in the story that aren't even Chekhov's guns or Chekhov cannons. (laughs) And it's just. Really? That's the. That's all you got for making this character important. Yeah. It's like. Like, that by itself is not, I'd say, a sin. Like, it's not, that alone doesn't make a bad movie. But, with, it is a a contributor to the overall boring nature of the entire film. Is when you have this very interesting, like, baseline for a setting... But when you ask questions about the movie, like trying to come up with it, it's like, okay, so we have we're, we have an evil nun, so we need to have a good nun uh, as a protagonist. Uh, so <laughs> they
1: did that. What?
0: We'll, so <laughs> how can we make her interesting? Uh,
1: that's literally what they did. <laughs> yeah, and so I didn't, I didn't we've even commit. I'm sorry. <laughs> no.
0: and so we've got. In the Conjuring movie, Lorraine Warren, she's got visions from God. What if we give her visions too? And it's like literally the first thought that you had, that's what they went with. And it's just, again, individually, all these problems are not bad, but there's nothing good. It, and it just contributes to an overall truly boring film.
1: Welcome back to None vs None, the movie. <laughs> like, jeez, that is so on the nose.
0: I mean, I didn't get that from any interviews or anything, but that's the vibe that I That's
1: a hundred percent the movie though. And I don't know yeah. how I didn't see it before. It is literally none versus none.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so in the Conjuring, oh, we had the Lorraine who has visions, and uh, oh crap, I'm blanking on his name, but the husband Ed, uh, who doesn't Ed, thank you, who doesn't have visions, but he's still a semi exorcist, uh, so he can do some exorcisms, and that's all based on their writing. Sure, whatever.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, and you're right. He sees it. So
0: we. Yeah, and so if we have this character, who is literally Lorraine, oh.
1: but
0: would have a higher power level, then we need to also have a higher power level Ed. So let's just go
1: for a super exorcist. You know, for campaign building, that's not the worst idea. That's great for setting expectations. No, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> What? <laughs> star wars reference okay i i'm not a i haven't seen as many wars of the stars as you but like the idea that showing your players in a D group that even more powerful versions of your characters fought against this demon before a final showdown that that's good build-up to a final showdown
0: yeah but this came out after yeah And, okay, sorry, no, you just reminded me of another thing that's really upsetting me. Yeah, okay, shoot. (laughs) Okay, Uh, and so, well, okay, again, just another, it's another minor thing, but it adds up. And it's later on in the movie, after all the spooky things have happened, and she has gotten loads and loads of visions, and it's set up as... Um, this grand mystery being revealed. Oh, all the nuns are dead. Who'd have thought? Wow, everything's so creepy. And I already knew everything was... Oh, whatever. Uh, I, I'm, I'm taking this so freaking personally, Adam.
1: I'm sorry. It's but, okay. Keep going.
0: <laughs> but, after she has gone all of these visions and all the spookiness has happened, she says, you know... I'm pretty sure my visions from God are visions from God. I'm ready to become a nun. <laughs> yeah, she does. And, <laughs> and so it's set up as this important plot development moment. It's set up as her reaching like Super Saiyan
1: 2. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Is She goes Super Nun Saiyan 2.
0: Yeah, but literally nothing happens. <laughs> nothing changes.
1: She, no, she gets the... Is she, th- there's a scene where she gets the, the right she's a bride of christ in i'm pretty sure that's the line i saw before we did recording um she gets the 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 blood of christ around her neck as a as an amulet plus three save saving throws yeah yeah sure
0: yeah um but we also see that Frenchie also interacts with the blood of christ later who is most certainly not a bride of christ
1: oh no yeah no he's not
0: yeah, so it's not like it's an artifact they have to attune to. He's just being cute when he gives it to her. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the movie. Is that like you, you take a universe that already was very interesting, you give it the most interesting setting, and then you say, yeah, we'll do whatever. Cut some costs, put on the rubber mask, none. Sorry, Valak. <laughs>
0: okay. Is there anything else you want to say before the rating?
1: I don't know. I just I really liked the introduction, and I hated everything after that. Mm. Like uh, getting to the the area and and finding out about the hung nun, and and then seeing the weird aftermath in in like the the freezer room. I always liked the idea then that you'd have d and D party that goes in further and is like knowing that there's another church like this where the nuns act differently and then having the nuns here act completely opposite and make that normal. And I I thought that would be a great idea. And I realized I'm just like, oh, I like the movie's intro, but I hate the mystery that they have to solve because it's not interesting at that point. Yeah, Um, I absolutely agree with that. So that's a part of why I say that I like this movie is because it really gets my... creative engine going like I, I see the first 20 minutes and then I probably forget about the movie because I'm like oh yeah no th- this would be a really spooky thing I could do uh, okay no graveyard scene like that <laughs> and, and and so it it makes me feel creative because it's a good idea but it doesn't deliver quite right and that's something I really like I guess about horror movies and why it, it's really difficult for me to be like oh this is my top five horror movie list because i look at them and they're like well they make me creative not that they're actually good
0: that is really insightful and i like that
1: and that's why i like things like evil bong it's like they give you enough to work with and then you can fill in the blanks if you're actually inclined (laughs) so
0: adam yeah you asked me earlier for the scene that i took the most personally Yes, tell me. Do you want to know what this scene tell is me. that I took the most personally? I need to know. So, we talked about the blood of Christ as <laughs> that being this artifact in this movie. Yeah. Um. So, they are going after Valak with the blood of Christ. It's essentially a gun that's specific for killing Demons. They've got this demon-killing gun, essentially, right? Right. And so, they're now... Alright, they find Valak. Valak starts chasing. Alright, they're being chased by Valak. This demon. And so... Irene drops her demon-killing gun. And this movie then chooses to have her just look at the gun, stop entirely, and just watch... As the demon very slowly appears up from the water, stands up on top of the water. This scene is literally just rising up and slowly walking over. It's legitimately like 30 seconds of the protagonist literally whimpering in fear with their demon-killing gun next to them. While the demon is right there in no hurry whatsoever coming after her very slowly and she's just there whimpering in fear and then with the gun right there we're then supposed to be concerned when the demon then decides to start you know what I'm gonna actually try start killing you now but it's just holding her it's not doing anything all that instantly fatal it's giving her loads of time to reach over and grab her demon killing gun and we're supposed to be concerned when the scene plays out for like four minutes of her being able to grab the gun and shoot the demon with the gun and her just not doing it we're supposed to care off That is so lazy. And yes, that is our first censoring in this podcast. I censor bleep. And the fact that it is from a Christian horror movie (laughs) is already not lost on me. I hate that. That is so lazy. That is crap. That is terrible. I freaking hate it. It it is so lazy.
1: Would it make it feel easier for you to accept if, um, I let you know that Valak, um, he's eight years old in New Hampshire, um, <laughs> and he's playing a, uh, level three sorcerer, um, typhling, um, that can possess bodies, um, apparently. And, and like, that's just cause fear, isn't it? Uh, level one necromancy spell.
0: Yeah, so you can cast that level one. Yeah,
1: and so it's, it's sort of those moments where it's like, that's a great spell to use, Not a great cinematic narrative device to use. And also, it's just... You know who you you wouldn't cast cause fear on? A high willpower character, right? Uh,
0: Yeah, like a cleric or maybe like a nun who literally just went Super Saiyan 9-2 and has the blood of Christ on them. Honestly? That would be the last person I would use cause fear on, personally. And he crit successed. And she
1: crif failed. I would legitimately
0: (laughs) rule that that is a. I would tell the player, "Hey, there's all these things stacked against this. There, I get what you're going for. That's that. If it worked, that'd be funny. But it would be. This (laughs) world has rules." (laughs) She's got Jesus. There is no... There is no world where this would ever work. So, like, I love what you're going for, man. But we... Do you want to try a different spell? <laughs> Might I recommend Polymorph? That's more interesting.
1: No, I'm a demon. <laughs> okay, Jeremy. Okay. okay.
0: Uh. All right, you cast Cause Fear and... I'm not gonna bother. I I find I roll a dice. I li- I literally don't even look at. It. I don't even pretend to look at it. It's like it succeeded. You can waste your spell slot.
1: Jesus slaps you across <laughs> the face for D20 force damage. Stop it. The giant stumps on your head to make sure you're dead. <laughs> There's no giant in this setting. It's conjuring verse. It was conjured. It's,
0: it's MCDM reference. Okay. <laughs>
1: Um, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I, I think the problem is that these horror movie people want to make, you know, tense scenes where you see the monster rising and you're afraid and you're seeing it, but they forget that most people would be fleeing. And so I think it's more interesting than to have like somebody cower and just be like, oh, I can't do anything is to have like somebody trying to desperately lock pick a door. Mm-hmm. It's like the yeah. door is locked. They're they're lock picking. Yeah. You see the creature rising out of the water. That's when it becomes scary. Is mm-hmm. it's like oh d- dang it no. And they break a, another lock pick. They start swearing. They throw it yeah. on the floor. They grab another lock pick. You can see it rising in the background. That's when that becomes yeah. effective. Not when it's just like yeah uh oh uh-oh.
0: yeah absolutely. And that's why that's a thing. And I think Halloween uh where they're trying to unlock a door while he is slowly
1: approaching That's them. probably where I got and, it from, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that's effective. It's still like it's a little annoying when you watch it the first time until you like actually take a minute to go, "Wait." I've done that when I've not been scared and being chased by a serial killer possibly a mortal demon. i I'd, I'd probably do that too, honestly. That makes sense. All right. but when you have the literal weapon that is specific for killing the thing that is coming at you not two feet away from you you can just reach it that's not scary, that's idiotic so you as a storyteller of this is saying the character is idiotic, but they're so idiotic <laughs> that you know and that they're going to be okay Because it's not set up as some sort of tragic hero who has this fatal flaw that they can't reach a gun two feet from them that's set up earlier in the movie or anything. No, they're just not reaching for it because you couldn't come up with anything better. And so you just let the scene play out the least
1: interesting, least scary way. It's like Luke Skywalker dropped his lightsaber and doesn't know how to get it to his hand quickly.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what? Star Wars did it better. Because in the beginning of episode five, when uh, the Yeti monster is coming towards him, I used to I yeah. remember what it was called, but my brain is full of nun crap. Like, <laughs> for it. And then I like, hate he doesn't have that Jedi training. And so he, he has can't to struggle just, for it. Yeah, he can't just do it. And so he's, first he tries to reach it uh, using his physical body, just going for it. And when that's not enough uh, and it's coming towards him, he's needing to lean into that side of him, that training that he just barely has with Ben who has taught him. He's needing to reach into that, out of his comfort zone to try to save himself to lean into that spirituality to while it's coming towards him. And he just barely is able to cut off his arm in time and escape is that is scarier than what's supposed to be the penultimate scary mo- moment of this film. I was going to say that
1: actually really did scare me as a child. And um, yeah,
0: I, cause it's really good. I, yeah.
1: It's well done tension. You know, the rules of the game is that he has the magic powers to be able to try this. It's just, he keeps failing the role and You know, yet yeah, he doesn't have the training of like other people in um, the prequel movies you haven't seen yet because you're too young, um, and you're it's 1997. Um, but y- yeah, it's it's an effective scene where he's struck, and actually, that's what I mean. Is like struggling to pick the lock on a door is the same as struggling to like summon it from a a, a distance. You can't actually grab it, but your point is that she could grab it. And she's just sitting there petrified from a level one cause fear necromancy spell.
0: Yeah, there's legitimately nothing stopping her from grabbing her demon killing gun.
1: Other than that she's like, oh, that's a demon.
0: It's literally just they want it. The reason she doesn't grab her demon killing gun and shoots the demon with her demon killing gun <sighs> is because they wanted to have a scene where the demon rises from the water and slowly approaches her.
1: Cause kind of scary.
0: There's no character reason for it. it. Is entirely for that shot, and if that's the entire creative idea of your climax, you need another draft. I'm sorry. <laughs> You gotta do something else. Yeah. Like, sure. That's, see? Like, you can have the shot of rising from the water and everything. Sure. Whatever. But you gotta have something else to
1: Work do. harder for it. Yeah. I have a headache. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should wrap this up here. What is our rating for this movie? Yeah,
0: so, I gave Conjuring 1 a 9 out of 10. Yeah. Conjuring 2 a 5 out of 10. Yeah. Not going into the Annabelle movies. We may do them in the future. Yeah, that'd be fun. So disregarding them the nun. okay so this is again the movie that i've probably taken the most personally in this series so far yeah but like i said there are moments that are well done and i wouldn't take it personally if there wasn't so much potential yeah like that's that's the problem <sighs> is if it If the entirety of the base is upset. Like, that you don't feel that bad when your stack of cards falls. But, it had a solid foundation. And there's really good moments in this movie. Really good. And that is why I'm upset. Because there are those things that are good. But then it just wastes them throughout to make this one of the most boring movies I've ever seen and so it gets a 3 out of 10 for me oh, ho, 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 ho. which also I will say as a spoiler is in my opinion the worst movie in the Conjuringverse
1: oh, ho, 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 ho. wow that that was scathing and, and you've watched you've watched evil bong with me like yes you watched that actually with me we don't always watch these movies together sorry to dispel any illusions but um like we actually watch that together now i usually watch these while i'm at work like i have them on
0: my phone while working on chromebooks or whatever yeah, um
1: but yeah evil bong I, and watched, i don't know yeah. why that happened but uh we we experienced that like level bar where you gave that a five out of 10 with me describing why it sucks yes. and why it, they did weird things here and why there are only two sets. This movie has so many sets and so many different actors mm. and, and like such great cinematography. And yet you give it a three out of 10 yep. compared to a five evil bong. Wow.
0: absolutely, And it's because, Evil Bong with its lower resources utilizes them so much better the nun movie has so much that it can do with what it has and fails over and over and over yes
1: that's true and like evil bong is just like you you accept if you're watching that movie that it has a hard premise to work with that's not a smart premise the Nun has a beautiful premise, despite the name, and a fantastic setting. I don't know. Um, I, I would give it... I, I was going to give it a 7 out of 10, to be honest. Because it's like a, a 7 out of 10 is a horror movie that misses the mark. And it tries really hard, got so far, but in the end it didn't really even matter. And uh, I don't know. I, I think you're right. I can't remember much of this movie watching it repeatedly uh, i mentioned to my wife watching it again she's like we watched this a month ago and you hated every moment of it now i was like <laughs> <"D-> we did <laughs> i'm like oh no i'm trying to rewatch this for our podcast i need to I, I i do need to know what happens in the movie
0: well that there is something to be said about a movie where also the bad parts of it you don't remember yeah <laughs> I don't know if you'll
1: give that more points or less. I don't but... know. I gotta I gotta give it like a you know. five out of ten. Uh Evil Bong took me several watch throughs to finally like be like, oh there's a plot here. This isn't just a terrible movie. But uh yeah, a five out of ten seems fair. They had a lot of good things, they had a lot of bad things. In the end, you might enjoy aspects of it, but um if you if you want a movie that's not that scary, it's pretty good
0: ah no it's not don't bother but don't
1: don't believe me on that line actually i i felt a lot of that that was i felt bile in my throat being like "Eh, it's pretty good
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh so can i just say yeah just a couple things about the nun too
1: yeah yeah let's wrap this up with um why is The Nun 2 worth even watching? I haven't seen it at all, so um, I I don't even know. I would assume it's just garbage, but um, is it worth seeing? Is it not worth seeing? So, The Nun
0: 1, again, 3 out of 10, is the worst movie in The (laughs) Conjuring-verse. The Nun 2 is, in my opinion, a whole 5 points better. It is an 8 out of 10 movie. Really? It is a really good movie really like holy cow so again I like, I'm going to keep this totally spoiler free but all of these problems that I said are in The Nun are almost entirely absent in The Nun too. Huh. like it still has an interesting setting though not as interesting I'd say the characters are well-developed. They do a, a few things that aren't the smartest, but you can see the logic behind what they're doing. Then it makes total sense why they do the things that they do. The spooks are spooky. It's They don't just redo spooks from previous movies. And I would say it is... You do not need to see The Nun 1 to watch The Nun 2. Like, literally, all you need to know going into The Nun 2 is that Frenchie, at the end of The Nun, uh, he got, I'm just going to say bit. It doesn't matter. Uh, Technically, as Snake went to his... He, he got pickled. Yeah, technically, yeah, he got uh, face-huggered. But he got bit by The Nun, and so now he's got a reverse cross scar on him and he's a little possessed by the nun by
1: valak um they they show and, that in the beginning of the conjuring i think or maybe at the end of the conjuring yes. or not sorry uh, the nun uh yep um, um they show at the beginning of the nun or at the end of it that he's clearly tickled yeah um yeah
0: they that's one of the cool things that they do in most of the conjuring movies is that they show where the connection is to the other movies and that scene in the end of The Nun that connects it to the original Conjuring is just a scene from the original Conjuring and so then you go oh Frenchie yeah I yeah, I remember that scene okay so now we so now we know that which does cause a small problem with The Nun too, where you know that Frenchie's still going to have some problems at the end of the Nun too um, to where it takes the Warrens to like finally unpossess him um, later on in life and so that does create a small problem there but what they do is still really good again keeping spoilers super minimal is really good it is definitely worth watching
1: not like the nun one though yeah don't don't watch the nun one unless you want something to work with creatively and even then like I said
0: just watch the beginning
1: yeah just just watch the first watch the trailer you're good
0: (laughs) or um yeah just watch up to where father burke is introduced uh going like there at the vatican yeah it doesn't take long
1: yeah i think that's that's the
0: none for for all of our viewers. And how is it that this episode that is... I'm not going to say our shortest, but is on the shorter side. Why is it this episode, it's the one where I can tell that I'm losing my voice at the end? I think it's because I took this one so personally, Adam.
1: Uh, honestly, um, a lot of the episodes we do are movies I suggest. And so... I feel like I'm ranting more on those episodes and this has been a nice one where I can sit back and just listen to you rant passionately and it it just makes me happy and your voice is going up like mine normally does. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is fair, yeah. Uh I've definitely noticed that I had a higher
0: ratio than usual of being the talker on this episode. I, I hope that's not too annoying. I'm sorry. No, that's I, what our fans be. come
1: for. They they uh specifically say less pickle, more more B Rad.
0: They do not say that. There's not a single one that says that. I know that very fast.
1: Yeah, no, I don't read any comments. I just make them up.
0: Well, oh, their comments uh, technically comment our
1: um Um, yeah, uh, I guess uh, as we're wrapping this up on the 2018 film, The Nun, um, we, uh, are on Spotify and Apple podcasts, but I get more data from Spotify and I guess there's uh, a poll that's been being added to it. Like, what did you like about this episode or some vapid nonsense, you know, like, (laughs) um, yeah, just. Tell us your thoughts. Send us your notes. I might see them and I might pass them on to Brad. I will be bugging him about that. Please do. I will absolutely
0: read anything that anyone sends.
1: I don't I don't think people read... or are people, I don't think people have answered the poll so far. Um, I've had a couple of friends say maybe we should post this on YouTube, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know. If...
0: Well, I'll put it out there now. If anyone comment say anything about this podcast i will read it and if possible answer it
1: oh my gosh that well that's because brad's awesome and that's why we're doing this podcast called and i took that personally where we have reviewed the nun and a lot of the conjuring universe here we might do more of the conjuring universe at a later point but until next time this has been and i took that personally starring myself adam and my comrade and good friend brad I appreciate you too. We don't have a lot of credits, <laughs> but the credits are scrolling across the screen. They're scrolling across the screen to our theme song. I was hoping it just cut on my coughing. Nope, we're going to go with your coughing and. <laughs> the studio producer.
0: Oh. Oh, they we didn't get any notes from them. Oh, I hope they liked this episode. Wait, where did they go? Why are the lights off? Adam?